First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 91 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and joining me today... Different host alert. We have Austin Bechtold. Austin, how's it going, man? It's going really well. Good to be with you, Nathan. Uh, you know, started out pretty well with Jake, and we had Cody Duncan on is making what I think was my original Talk the Plank debut. So now back after only about a month. So really good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. And for me personally, it's uh, nice to get to talk to you. And, um, I mean, your episode with Jake and Cody was electric, so it'll be fun to dive into some pirates with you personally. Um, the last time me and Jake spoke, we kind of asked each other 10 burning questions on the pirates, you know, in general. And one of the things we asked each other was, are the Pirates done in the offseason? And we both hoped that they weren't. And little did we know, literally a few hours after pretty much recording the podcast, the Pirates went and signed Andrew McCutcheon to a one-year deal, $5 million, to sure up the corner outfield, add another right-handed bat, definitely add a whole bunch of nostalgia points, Personally, I'm uh, I'm really excited that Kutch is back. What what are your thoughts on that deal? I love it. Just being able to have McCutcheon back, to be in the clubhouse, be a leader that the the Pirates have really not had since he left. And you know there were guys that were scattered in there like Josh Bell and Jamison Tyone, but nobody that had the presence of McCutcheon. And at the same time, he can still play. I know he only hit 240 last year with the Brewers. 
but he had what the most RBIs. If you place them on the pirates of any other pirates player, it was a little bit of a down year RBI wise for Brian Reynolds, even though the home runs were up, but Cabrian Hayes didn't hit that much. McCutcheon can still play. He'll play a corner. He'll probably DH a little bit whenever Jim and Choi or Santana are not DHing. I just think overall and the way that, McCutcheon was the one that truly wanted to come back. The conversations that were reported that he had with Bob Nutting, and then the day before he was signed on that Friday, that Thursday he met with Ben Charrington at a public coffee shop. It was just too good to be true for McCutcheon to finally return. This is where he's going to end his career. Uh, A couple years ago, I wrote in an article, I don't know if it was a standalone article or not, that was right about a couple months after he got traded, that I would just love to see McCutcheon return as a pirate and finish out his career. Now, did I think that it was ever going to be a possibility? I'm not too sure. I don't think McCutcheon thought that it was going to be a possibility that this would happen, but it did. It's going to 2023 is going to be a good year for the Pirates. Having McCutcheon, if not anything else, and there's still some baseball prospects that are on the horizon that could make the team better than some people think. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, just for the, like I mentioned, nostalgia of it all, um, I'm super happy to have Kutch back. And, I mean, looking at his numbers, yeah, 2022 is a little bit of a down year. He kind of lost some pop, but 17 home runs would have been third on the Pirates. Uh, he still walks a fair amount, pretty good amount, actually. He was at around 10% last season with the Brewers. Um, it is cliche, but I value veteran leadership. I value, you know, older guys who have been there before, who have won real games, who have had postseason appearances. I value that to kind of mentor a younger team through a 162 game season. And I mean, this off season shows that the pirates have kind of valued that a little bit too, with the addition of McCutcheon and a Carlos Santana, G-Man Choi, guys like that. So Rich Hill on the pitching side. So I personally have been really, I've been pleasantly surprised with how this offseason has gone. Um, I, I don't know if the Pirates are necessarily ready to win in a serious fashion yet, but if they can, if they can hang around in those first few months and play maybe 500 balls, slightly above 500, who knows? As long as they don't bottom out immediately when the season starts, I think I think there's good things ahead. Um, as far as the offseason, I mean, if this is it, I'm fine with that. Would I like them to add maybe a cheaper reliever or something like that? I wouldn't mind it. But overall, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with the offseason. At the very least, if the team is actually garbage this year, they have some trade pieces at the deadline. And, you know, I don't want to be talking about that right now, but if all goes wrong, that's, that's what they have. And like you said, I really hope that McCutcheon gets to end his career in Pittsburgh. I hope that he's not a trade chip at the deadline. And I mean, it's only a one year deal. McCutcheon is 36 years old right now. He'll be 36 through the 2023 season if he has a few more years left in the tank, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing – I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I wouldn't mind seeing them all spent in Pittsburgh and kind of letting him gracefully age 
his last few years with the Pirates. But this year specifically, I think he's going to be productive. You slot him probably in the top or the middle of the order. Um, he can still mash lefties. He, he's a nice addition. So, yeah, like you, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, and to go along with that, McCutcheon overall, he's 13 home runs away from 300. He's 52 hits yes. away from 2,000. He's going to be able to rack up these milestones, 17 walks away from 1,000, to the point where he's going to have a lot of these things on his resume. And I was comparing some of his numbers with Andrew Jones, who's in his, I believe, sixth year of eligibility on the ballot for the home. Mm. And a, a former Atlanta Brave played a majority of his – career in Atlanta. Very, very strong player. But overall, when you look at the numbers for McCutcheon and you look at Andrew Jones, home runs, okay, Jones by far in a way pretty much dom- pretty much dominates him. But Andrew Jones played overall 1996 to 2012, mostly with Atlanta, had stints, had a stint with the Dodgers, Texas, the White Sox, and two years with the Yankees, etc. 434 total home runs close to 1300 RBIs. He ended up with a ton more. uh, Well, he actually ended up with a lot less walks than McCutcheon. So Jones is only 900. So McCutcheon's already on him for by about a hundred walks. His batting average, 254 McCutcheon's at 277 career batting average. And overall OPS, very similar, 838 for McCutcheon, 823 for Andrew Jones. And Jones is receiving votes. It's not like he's at the bottom part of the ballot, barely hanging on with about 15%. He's getting, he's not in the upper echelon with Scott Rowland is, uh, the Cardinals right now or Billy Wagner, how he's projecting, but there could be a chance that. Andrew Jones at some point builds up enough momentum where in year nine or 10, he builds himself into a pretty good hall of fame case, but McCutcheon already over a thousand RBIs. He's not going to catch him in home runs. He's about 150 off that pace or whatever. Three, not 392 career doubles for McCutcheon, 383 for Andrew Jones. So McCutcheon's already got him in that instance. In terms of total RBIs, McCutcheon might be able to get there. He'll pass him in overall hits. And if McCutcheon plays another season and he gets over the 2,000 hit plateau this year, he gets, let's say he has 125, 130 hits each year. You're talking about 2,200 hits, 22.5. You're looking at a realm of guys where in that hit, area that that realm of 2200 hits you're finding a lot more guys that have hall of fame cases and have made the hall of fame add on the fact that mccutcheon has won an mvp award he's been to the all-star game five times he's won a couple of silver sluggers a gold glove winner what he means to the city of pittsburgh and rejuvenating baseball back in the city into a ballpark that had not seen a winner since opening in 2001 there's a lot of things that you could put on McCutcheon's Hall of Fame candidacy, but if he plays these next two years, maybe even makes one more All-Star game, it's going to help him to be able to go in as a pirate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting conversation. I have had talks with some friends about Andrew McCutcheon's Hall of Fame, um, you know, likelihood. And the comparison to Jones is pretty interesting. I'm actually looking at both of their fan graphs pages right now. I think when you compare the two, I think McCutcheon has like his bat is, is better than what Andrew Jones's was. Jones definitely had more power, but if you just look at WRC plus over their careers, Kutch as is at a 129, Andrew Jones finished his at 111. So Kutch, I mean, he's a good to great hitter. Jones was, uh, he was an above average to good hitter. I think the biggest difference between the two is that Andrew Jones is just an all time defensive center field beast where Kutch early in his career, he was really, really good. Uh, It's kind of fallen off and now he's, you know, he's reduced to a corner outfield role, but looking at the career wars, on Fangraphs, Fangraphs War, uh, Andrew Jones is at 67. McCutcheon right now is at 50.8. I I think Jones does have a really good case to get in. Like you mentioned, maybe in his last few years of eligibility, I think Andrew Jones, I think if you get over that 65 mark, then you deserve to be a Hall of Famer. There's definitely a lot of players with less than 65 career war, which I know that's not the end-all be-all, but it's just a general benchmark that I like to look at. I think if Kutch could squeeze out 10 more war in these next, you know, he'd probably have to play about three or four more solid seasons, but who knows if, if he can be, you know, maybe not back to Kutch Kutch, obviously he's never going to be a six win player again, but if he can have one of those resurgent late year, uh, late career years and be like a three win player somehow, I mean, then we can seriously have that conversation. But I think, too, like you mentioned, the fact that he single-handedly made baseball relevant in Pittsburgh for at least a five- to six-year span, I mean, I I give him extra points for that. But I think it is interesting. I will be rooting for Kutch heavily to, to really finish his career strong and keep building up that resume. And like you said, 300-plus home runs, 2,000-plus uh, hits. He has a chance to make it a real conversation by the end there. So, that, well, yeah, and that's – And war is weighted differently depending on what sites you look at, too. McCutcheon on baseball reference of course. is 47. Andrew Jones is at 63. So, depending on what different metrics are or what different sites look at, just overall analytics-wise, it could be way different. But mostly the margins are the same. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I mentioned to like someone like Harold Baines, he just got into the Hall of Fame a few years ago on baseball reference. His war is at 38.8. So, you know, 
there's definitely a conversation to be had for definitely Andrew Jones. And when it's all said and done, I mean, you look at the most relevant players in the 2010s position players, I would throw Kutch up there with anyone. Um, you know, there's the Paul Goldschmidt's, the Buster Posey's of the world, but Andrew McCutcheon, like you said, his peak is high. He's got the MVP. He's had multiple seasons with MVP votes. Um, yeah, he he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame conversation. And when it's all said and done, I mean, give me three more years. Just squeeze out maybe on whatever you know website it is. Squeeze out seven to ten more wins above replacement, and then we're really talking. But uh, yeah. This year with the Pirates, I'm definitely excited to see what he brings. Um, I guess we can move on a little bit here. Uh, Baseball America recently dropped their top 100 prospects list. And a little bit of a fall off for some of the Pirates. Usually over the past few years, they've had five or six, I believe, on whatever site. All sites are different. And it. I always joke around with Jake about this. All prospects lists are there's caveats galore. I mean, it's just a list. It's just something to talk about. But looking at Baseball Americas, they're really high on Andy Rodriguez, which who isn't these days? They have him at 23rd. They have Tamar Johnson, the Pirates' first round draft pick from last season at 49th. Henry Davis finds himself at 73. His stock has fallen a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. And uh, who am I missing? Uh, Luis Ortiz, where's where's he at? He's at 74. Seven, 74 for Luis Ortiz, which honestly, the I guess we could start with Ortiz. I find the rise of Luis Ortiz pretty fascinating because he he came up with the Pirates in September this past season, and he made a few starts, and he looked really good. And the results were there. He produced, but I think – the eye test really wowed everyone even more with that, you know, blazing 100 mile an hour sinking fastball. And then the slider playing off of that, he looked awesome, but it it was interesting because before he came up to the majors, it didn't really seem like a lot of people knew about Luis Ortiz. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on him specifically and your expectations for him, but I just find it really interesting that his prospect ranking has just, skyrocketed since he made his major league debut. Yeah, it has. And, you know, I remember watching an old inside pirates baseball at the beginning of, I think it was the 20, it was either the 21 or 22 season. I think it was 22. And they discussed how Ortiz was going to start in double a and the type of projection that he has. And the ERA really did not tell the story of what they thought of him and how he truly performed. And I think we saw that as he started to, You know, he started off a little bit slow, and then he built his way up, success in AAA. What he did in the majors, I think, caught a lot of people off guard, I think, including the Pirates. And, you know, will he end up being a dependable starter at the front end of the rotation? I I don't know. you got to be able to see more innings out of him. Is it likely that he becomes a back-end of the bullpen reliever? Also, who knows? I don't think it's a good comparison – But I see maybe a little bit of Chad Cool where people were talking about, you know, do you keep him as a starter and let the stuff play up 
with the fastball and the breaking pitches, or do you put him in the bullpen, make him a super reliever type? And we've seen Cool have success as a starter. Now, I'm not saying Luis Ortiz is Chad Cool by any means, but I think that Ortiz, with the rapid movement on his fastball and just the type of velocity that he has, there's definitely projection there, and there's something that you want to be able to see. And it's not like anybody's surprised that he was throwing 98. He's been throwing 98 for a while now. It's just the location and the success right. that he's having with it and the movement on the breaking pitches that I think have caught a little bit of people off guard that what he's been able to learn, and albeit in a small sample size, similar to what Andy Rodriguez has been, has allowed him to kind of just jump up. And in regards to people that have fallen off the list, like Quinn Priester, Quinn Priester, it stuns me that he's not on the top 100 prospects list. Sometimes I just think Agreed. in regards to Ortiz and just what Priester's doing, Priester had another strong season. I think that it's just the scouts and the people that put the list together. And I have a lot of respect for a lot of the people that have put the list together. I've talked to some of them just in how they go about grading players and how they make the top 100s. You know, maybe it's just that Andy Rodriguez and Luis Ortiz are the shiny new toy that Quinn Priester has not been, who has had sustained, consistent success over the last couple of years, where he's not flashing anything like a 2-1 ERA where Luis Ortiz is throwing 98 by people and striking everybody out. So it just seems like a little bit different there. And, I mean, Andy Rodriguez had one of the best seasons out of anybody in all of minor league baseball. So, of course, he's going to rapidly ascend. But to not be on anybody's radar in the top 100, he was – if you made it a top 115, Andy Rodriguez probably had a good chance to be on it at the beginning of the season. But to see where he is – at now and catapulting up to 23 is definitely an yeah. indictment of what he's done. Yeah. And I think too, if you made the list 115 on baseball America, now you would see guys like Priester or Nick Gonzalez or Leo Verpiguero. It is interesting though, how some of these lists have kind of, they haven't soured on some of these top pirates prospects, but I feel like they're, they're like um, they've gotten a little stale, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like Nick Gonzalez, I mean, he was probably in the fifties at one point on some lists, and same with Paguero, he was in the the middle of the top one hundred there. But I guess maybe just because you look at it, their ages now. Um, Gonzalez is a little older for a double A guy. That's where he spent all of his year last year, and of course, he had injuries, but. You know, he's 23, Paguero's 22, Priester's 22, where you look at, say, Endy, he shot up, he's 22, but he kind of came out of nowhere. And Luis Ortiz, he's 23, but, you know, he made it to the majors and kind of had a, a nice, you know, cup of coffee to end the season. So, like you said, I agree with you. It seems like the people that make these lists sometimes – maybe get a little bored with putting out the same exact thing over and over. So yeah, the guys like Andy and Ortiz kind of shot up. Whereas even, even Henry Davis, I mean, he was, he was looked at as like a top 20 guy to begin the year last season. And they have him down at what 73. So yeah, I just, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm definitely, I think partly due to, due to Rodriguez or due to Davis rather is the injury history. He got hit by the, you know, he got hit by a pitch almost every time he stepped into the batter's box, like once a week. Right. He was, he was getting hit by a pitch. That derailed him with some injuries. In regards to Priest, three at a 287 and 15 starts with Altoona. 
75 total innings. He struck out 75. He battled injuries at the very beginning of the season, and he got a late start to his season. I mean, overall, though, and it's also what have you done for me lately? He had a good year exactly. in Altoona. He had one start in – he had a couple starts in Indianapolis that went okay. Ended up with seven walks in nine innings. But in the Arizona Fall League, he went one and two with a 6.26 ERA in 23 innings. He walked 10 batters, and he had a whip of 1.56. So a lot of these lists are made based off of what have you done in the Arizona Fall League as well and some of these other leagues in just – overall scouting against top-notch prospect competition. And that definitely did not pay Quinn Priester any favors. In regards to Nick Gonzalez, also injuries. I think people are down on him because of where he played in college and the altitude kind of helping him out. But overall, he's a second baseman, so he's limited defensively. He's not a shortstop like Lyovo Peguero, who those two have kind of been interchanged. You can flip him either or. They're the number five or the number six best prospect or the number four or five, whatever it might be. They get flipped around for each other a lot. Overall, you just got to see how they continue to progress and play in AAA this year. And both of them are, all three of them are going to make the majors this year, Priester, Rodriguez, and Peguero, barring any injuries. Let me ask you this then, because, yeah, you mentioned here that the Pirates have a lot of guys that will be making their major league debut if everything goes right. In 2023, um, you know, like Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, Priester Paguero Gonzalez, a Mike Burroughs, who also kind of shot up rankings last season. Of those guys, who are you most excited to see? And who do you think could make the biggest impact on the Pirates this season as soon as they get called up? I think this is going to be the most exciting Pirates team in the last five years. The 2018 team went two games over 500. They That was the last team to go over 500, and they didn't make the playoffs. The only other teams that have been with a winning record since 1992 were the 13, 14, 15 wildcard teams. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case this year, but the overall excitement with – I mean, look at it. You're, most of your top five prospects are coming up. Priester, Davis if he's right. healthy, Gonzalez – Piguero, Andy Rodriguez, and of course, it's all bar- all barring health. Somebody could have a, a poor injury and not being able to make the majors. We hope that doesn't happen, but you never know with baseball. It does. I'm intrigued by the combination of Davis and Andy Rodriguez. At the moment, Gonzalez and Piguero, I think there's one spot up for grabs and the other potentially has to move to the outfield. But with putting McCutcheon into the yeah. mix... Who knows what's going to happen with them? I think this was going to be the most exciting season in five years just due to the prospects coming up, but it definitely is going to be with McCutcheon back into the fold. I would say, though, Rodriguez and Davis, because one, Austin Hedges was the worst offensive catcher in baseball. You know he's just there for defense and to be able to mentor some young pitching. You know that as soon as one of Davis or Rodriguez comes up, they're going to be the starter and Hedges are either going to be a trade piece or you're going to keep them just as a veteran on the bench that'll be beneficial. I don't know who the backup's going to be. Maybe Tyler Heineman. You mentioned earlier you don't you think the Pirates are done. If the Pirates do anything, I think it would be an, another minor league catcher that they would sign yeah. to potentially be the backup to Hedges before Rodriguez and Davis are ready. But when Davis and Rodriguez are ready, Likely in June, probably Rodriguez first because he reached AAA and had a little bit more at-bats. I'm excited to see what he can do because he can play second, 
You probably put him at first. You can put him in the outfield. I think Davis is still going to be the long-term catcher, and you can put Andy Rodriguez wherever. I don't think he's going to be the platoon-type player where you like the bat, but maybe a Marwin Gonzalez type with the Astros when they were going through their run. I don't know if he's necessarily that type of player, but he can give you positional flexibility, whether you want to put him at first, you want to put him in the outfield. Rodriguez's bat has come on. He hits for power. He can steal bases. He walks. He drives in runs. Henry Davis has great pop. The ability just to command the strike zone is, I don't think is as great as everybody would like it to be for a number one overall pick. But the combination of those guys, the offensive firepower that they bring is something that the Pirates just have not had in recent years in the middle of the lineup and can provide some protection to not not just Brian Reynolds, but Brian Hayes as well. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned Hedges. I think Hedges is just the absolute perfect guy to be like a third catcher on the team once Davis and Rodriguez are up because, yeah, Rodriguez has the positional flexibility, like you mentioned. He could play outfield and second base as well as catcher. And you would assume when Davis is up, he'll probably play a little first base as well. So having those two kind of mix and match at catcher every day with the potential of having Hedges as a backup, I love that, especially him as a you know um, mentor backup type of role. Uh, I agree, though, that... This season is its definitely the most exciting season under the Ben Sherrington era. Um, and it's, it's funny because a lot of people have, they've lost their patience with the Ben Sherrington regime, um, which is understandable. He was hired. This is going to be what his fourth, 20, yeah, fourth season, 21 or 2021-22, this is 23. This is his fourth season, but I believe this season is the true test on where the Pirates are at under Ben Sherrington. He's kind of been biding his time, um, you know, laying low, tanking, tank, 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 losses, 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 throwing quad A players at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think 2023, with the combination of veterans signed, actual major league playing playing veterans, not not any Josh Van Meter types. We don't have to see if Cole Tucker is going to work out or not. They signed real veterans and real top prospects. Sherrington guys are coming up this season. At the end of the year, we'll have a much better outlook on how the Sherrington experiment is going. And this is, I believe, the first real season where we could judge whether or not this long four-year plan has worked out. And I'm optimistic for sure. Um, I do think these prospects, they're looking pretty good. I mean, yeah, you look at it. Of the guys that are getting called up this season, Quinn Priester's the only Huntington guy. Um, The rest are Sherrington guys, so we'll see. And if the Pirates can take a real step up this season and kind of you know, position themselves to be serious contenders, maybe in 24 or 25, then we'll see the, the organization will be cooking. You know, you look at the NL central, there's not really any world beaters. There's no Mets spending $9 million or $9 billion. Sorry. There's no Dodgers who win 105 games every season. There's the Cardinals who are consistently B plus, you know, 90 win organization they'll get there but 
I think the Pirates, um, they have a real chance to to really blast off here in the next few seasons. And, you know, if it happens, then the terribleness of the past three seasons will have been worth it. But if it doesn't, if these prospects kind of fall on their face and the Pirates end up trading a lot of these veterans at the deadline for more nothingness, then that could be terrible for Sherrington too. But I, I'm excited to see what the future brings. And this, like I said, is the first real season that we can start to judge his plan, I guess. Well, and I think it's also a big prove it year for Derek Shelton. He's right. been criticized for how he has handled the bullpen for pulling starters after five innings, even though they've thrown 75 pitches. There is, and maybe that's just because of the type of players that he had, and maybe he just did not have the faith and the confidence in those players. Or maybe that was a directive from Ben Charrington. Who knows? But, but now you're talking about more players that can come up and make a difference. And look, prospects are prospects. We don't know how good they're going to truly be. I mean, they, they could tear it up in the minor leagues, show up, and just be an average player. We don't know until they get that opportunity to showcase it. But the complimentary of the complement of pieces that have put been put together around this roster with Rich Hill, with the likes of Santana and Choi, and adding the lefty from the Giants to the bullpen, and you add Vince Velasquez and you bring McCutcheon back. This is the first time where the Pirates have truly been buyers in the offseason where they have added pieces that can make a difference. And it's not just one or two moves where you add a veteran starter like Quintana or you add Vogelbach. That's what happened last year. And I think that was maybe the start of turning a corner, but this year was truly the mark of that. And the prospects aren't going to be world. They aren't going to be just blowing the world away right away. Not everybody's going to be Julio Rodriguez, make the all-star game, go to the home run derby and win rookie of the year. I don't expect anybody on the pirates to do that this year, but if you make a strong impact, have a solid season. If there's a player, maybe even two, that is in contention in contention for rookie of the year, with the amount of prospects that are coming up and the amount of time that they're probably going to see, with will Jack Sawinski be the everyday left fielder? Will Rodolfo Castro hold down second base? Hedges is just a placeholder at catcher. What's going to happen eventually at first base? There are pl- there are places where these guys can play. Quinn Priester in the starting lineup in the starting rotation, because Rich Hill's probably going to be dealt at the deadline. Who knows what they're going to do with Velasquez. There are a lot of things that you can see where there might be a light at the end of the tunnel come July. Doesn't mean they're going to be 10 games over 500 in July or into August, where at the trade deadline they think about buying guys instead of selling. If they're 500 at the August trade deadline, I'd be very happy. Or at the July trade deadline, whatever. I would be over the moon happy because I would know that this team is not on pace for 100 losses again, is making a fast track towards contending for a playoff spot in 2024. And if McCutcheon can find lightning in a bottle and can spark another magical run, who knows? It's going to be 10 years, the anniversary of the 2013 wildcard team. Yeah. Let me ask you this before we uh, sign off here. As of right now, we're, we are recording on January 19th. How many wins do you think the Pirates are going to win in uh, 2023? Well, when Jake asked when we were on with Cody uh, not too long ago, mm-hmm. I said 75 wins. And I'll stick with that. I thought that that was a little overly optimistic. 
And I don't tend to be too optimistic. I don't tend to be too pessimistic about the team. I try to be as, you know, full force and fully authentic as I can, just basically how I see it. And that tends to be a little bit more wins than I think it really should be. I think 75 is a good number. If they win more than that, I wouldn't be too surprised. If they win less than that, I wouldn't be that surprised. I think just with the amount of players that are coming up, there's going to be an adjustment period. But by the end of the year, I'd like to see them hit a stride where in August and September, they're playing meaningful baseball games, especially in August, which they haven't been doing in the last couple of years. 75 is a solid number to where you could even make it to 78. And I wouldn't be stunned if they go, if they're over 500 this year, I'd be a little surprised. But I'd be very pleased because then I would know that the Charrington and Huntington or the Charrington and Shelton regime is finally on the right track and that the rebuild is turning more so from a building into a molding standpoint. And the team is forming something that is a quality team. Yeah, I think 75 is a fair number, especially too. I don't think the NL Central is good at all. I mean, the Cubs have added, uh, it seems like the Brewers, I mean, they're just kind of treading water at this point. The Reds are the Reds. And, you know, the Cardinals will win, you know, 86 to 90 games probably because that's just what they do. But there's definitely – there's room for the Pirates to really take a big step. And 75, I think that's a solid goal. I think that they might be on a 75 to 80 win pace by the middle of the season, July perhaps. But I guess where I think they could – lose steam is after the deadline if they choose to sell even more and kind of bottom out one last time and maybe collapse a little bit. I think that's a possibility. But like you said, things are trending up overall, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens. All right, Austin, before we get out of here, where can we find you on Twitter? And is there anything you want to plug here? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Austin R. Bechtold. A lot of content going out on Bucks Dugout. I have a story coming up on McCutcheon, a little bit of an analysis piece. That'll be out very soon. You can find me there. Overall, active with some play-by-play stuff. I do. So if you find my Twitter, you'll see a lot of high school basketball. You'll see some pit basketball stuff I write, some Robert Morris basketball. A lot of different things going on there. But Pirates have always been always been my thing, always been One of my favorite teams. I love baseball, and you can catch a lot of pirate content on there as well. So great to be with you, Nathan. Great to be with you, and just thanks for having me, and hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. Um, And, yeah, basketball season really is heating up, and I'm a kind of a basketball junkie myself, so I I keep tabs on all that. But, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter as well, at Nathan underscore Hirsch, and, of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. Keep an eye out for Austin's piece that we'll be dropping soon. He uh, he really kills it on the writing side of things. So, yeah, Austin, it was, it was fun to talk Buckos with you. Hopefully we get you back here soon again. Me, you, and Jake will chop it up, see what's going on with our old pirates. But, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. And the pod will be back next week. We'll see what happens by then. But, uh, yeah, Austin, thanks again. And peace out, listeners. Have have a good rest of your day.